Jerry, um, there are reports that Everson Griffin could be dealt, Daryl Worley, Dentari Poe. Are, are you thinking about being in sell mode right now for the future of this season, or is it more still about winning the division? Well, uh, I thought Griffin uh, played uh, well. Uh, now, we need uh, all the players uh, that we can get on the table. I don't know about the other guy. That was Jerry Jones yesterday morning on 105.3 The Fan. You'll hear more from Jerry Jones from a spirited appearance twice a week on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas talking about Everson Griffin, the possibility of Griffin being traded. Oh, spoiler alert, he has been traded. Chris Sims has not been traded. I'm here. He joins me. He joins me for his third of four days this week, as it always is, four days a week. Christopher David Sims. Good morning, Christopher. How are you? I'm good, Michael. How you doing, man? What's going on? Anything new? Uh, n- just, you know, another day in the National Football League, another two hours to get through with plenty of things to discuss. And the show is Pro Football Talk Live. We're on Peacock, Sirius XM 211 Live, NBCSN, the rear. So once again, let me I go mean, two hours into the future and say hello. What? Get through. I mean, what? We're let gonna me... get through the show. Like, I mean, that's the energy we're gonna throw out this morning. I mean, no, like, it's a, I'm, just, you gonna... I'm, 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 I'm. I don't know. We're just talking. Okay. I mean, every All day right. we talk when we come onto the air, and I try to say something different every day so it's not repetitive. But you know what? I can't remember what I said yesterday. So if I can't remember what I said yesterday, there's a chance that the viewer or listener doesn't remember what I said yesterday. So I should probably just say the same damn thing every day. Yeah, I should just read well. a script. That's right. Just read it off. Go ahead. FYI, we have no script. We have nothing that we plan to say other than the guardrails that the producer for the day, and today it's Pete Demolitis, try to keep us within. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. It's just two hours of free-flowing football fun. Is that better? Is That's, that more acceptable? Uh, I mean, I'm pumped now. I'm ready to go, baby. Here we go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let me finish saying hello to everyone who is out there, NBCSN Rear, podcast audience, and our good friends on Sky Sports NFL watching in the UK and in Ireland. And apparently on Wednesdays, there, and especially this Wednesday, it's going to be a three-hour block. It's two hours of this show followed by the live one hour of PFTPM. There's something about their clock change there that on this Wednesday in particular, it gets sandwiched together. I don't know. That's what someone told me from over there. I never know because I don't live there, so I don't see it there, but I'm just passing along information. All right, we're here to pass along information and do other things about the National Football League, and let's begin with the Everson Griffin trade. Of all the teams out there that I would have thought may have been in on Everson Griffin, the last on the list, maybe one spot above the Vikings, would have been the Lions. But the Lions are 3-3. and Don't look now, but the Lions are contenders. Don't look now, but the Lions threw a conditional sixth-round pick to the Cowboys to get Everson Griffin off the books. Don't look now, but the Lions... I think this is the first time the Lions have made any type of an all-in move since Barry Sanders retired, Chris. I I, I mean, I can't really remember them making any moves, yeah, in, in recent history, certainly. You know, and again, hey, they're hanging around three and three. We've we've seen them flirt with beating the New Orleans Saints. Certainly, could have beat Chicago week one. Probably should have, right? So you sit there and you look at it from their perspective. They're going, wait, we're we're close to being in this thing. We're not giving up quite yet. Uh, and I think one of the big issues they have on their defense in general, hey, is yeah, they don't have playmakers. They got a lot of big people up front, but. Other than Trey Flowers, who's been a little underwhelming as a pass rusher for what they've paid him. They've paid him like a top-tier pass rusher in football. 
I think they realized if they wanted a, a chance to make a play at this thing, they needed to upgrade their front four a little bit and be able to, hey, it's third down, we can get after you a little because Patricia likes to play coverage. So I understand it from that standpoint, and you're right. I mean, we're kind of sleeping on the Lions, but uh, they're quietly kind of just hiding under the radar there. And, you know, the Seahawks are the team that we would have immediately pegged as someone that should be trying to yeah. get any help that it can at pass rushing. There was a point in the offseason where Everson Griffin was linked right. to the Seattle Seahawks. And if it's conditional six, if that's all it takes, I'm assuming that Jerry Jones, who is a master of negotiation, would have at least tried to get the Seahawks to the table. What do you care if you trade him to the Seahawks? You're not competing with the Seahawks to win your division, just like you're not competing with the Lions to win your division. If anything, to the extent that you hope there's a way to get a wild card berth, you should be more concerned about the Lions than the Seahawks anyway. I'm, I just wonder... Were the Seahawks in this? Because yeah. at the end of the day, you're not talking about very much to get Everson Griffin for the stretch run. No, it, it is not a lot. You're right. I mean, for a six-rounder, I mean, wow, it's, that's basically like you're saying, it's nothing. Um, I will say this, though. You know, the, the play has not been overwhelming or going to pop out to you about Everson Griffin. I know. What's he got, Mike? Two and a half sacks, something like that, maybe, uh, right around that range. Yes. But he is not a guy that is going to be brought in either to – be a starter I don't think at this point you know maybe if a team starts the game out and three wide receiver four wide receiver sets and you go oh we're pretty confident they're going to come out throwing the football and doing those type of things but you know as far as every down playing and all those type of things no I think he's going to be a guy that's just going to be specifically about pass rush and you know he's not the same player he was a few years back but but I still don't understand Seattle maybe not getting involved in the conversation or maybe they did and just they weren't willing to part ways with the six round pick yeah, you know, that that uh, may have been what ultimately happened at the end of the day. That's not what they want to do. They don't want to take on roughly $6 million I think that's in a combination of right. salary and per-game roster bonuses. And that was the motivation for the Cowboys to yep. get rid of those numbers because that $6 million now can be banked for next year when they're trying to sign Dak Prescott or otherwise put a team around Dak Prescott and try to be better than they are this year. Who else? Now that we have crossed that bridge and the Cowboys are selling off assets, and, and I, I don't think it's a fire sale. I think it's a calculated decision based on here's a guy that we can do without and we can create some cap space for the future, and it's not going to significantly undermine our ability to try to win one of the worst divisions we've seen in years. Who else would fall into that category? We heard a few names at the top of the show, Don Terry Poe was one that was mentioned. Uh, anyone that jumps out to you that the Cowboys should be willing to part with, Chris? I, I mean, they got a, a plethora of wide receivers, so I wonder where if they would got the right offer for, I mean, I don't, Amari Cooper? I don't know. Maybe is Amari Cooper on the table? I'm just throwing it out there for all the money he's making. And then That the, would be a stunner. Well, they just signed him. I know. Well, the fact that they have C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and – you know, Cedric Wilson, who's popped up many times this time this year. I just I thought a receiver position because they have like an embarrassment of wealth there. Now, you I know, don't Michael. I Gallup, thought of that yesterday, too. Right, right. I thought. But but Gallup's in the last year of his contract. And I think he's a guy you want to try to find a way to keep I, that's around. What, that's what I would think. Yes. What you're looking at, if you would move on from Amari Cooper, you would be facing an eight million dollar cap charge 
next year. Okay. But also avoiding a $20 million salary for next year. Now, that could be restructured, and, you know, there's ways to kick the can. But you pick up $12 million in net cap space for next year. If someone would offer you, and I don't know that Amari Cooper is getting a first-round pick for anyone at this point, but last year, Mohamed Sanu got a second-round pick, so who the hell knows? That's right. But if someone offers you a first-round pick for Amari Cooper and you can dump $20 million in salary for next year, pick up $12 million in net cap space, maybe you do it, Chris. Uh, I, I would seriously think about it. I would. With a Cowboys team that we've seen here that clearly wasn't as good on paper as we thought, and there's major holes everywhere throughout the football team, let alone, like you're mentioning, the, the juggling of the salary cap issues and all that. And then, yeah, some of these guys, CeeDee Lambs, he's, he worked out. He's, you know it. It's not a bust. He's going to be one of your top two receivers for the next five years. Guaranteed. That's it. You, you don't even have to worry about it anymore. Michael Gallup really could fit into that role, too. And, yeah, he's at a very manageable price right now. Hasn't put up stats to be able to command a big – payday when he does become a free agent. I mean, if the Cowboys were smart, they'd get out in front of that and try to sign him some, some you know, it, somewhat here in the, in the near future. But yeah, Amari Cooper's the guy that came to my mind, Mike. He is. He's a hell of a football player. We know there are teams that have wide receiver needs out there. And I just wondered, you know, yeah, okay, Cowboys, maybe they're chalking it up a little bit and going, let's play for next year. You know, even if we get in the playoffs this year and win our division, what are we really building on? You know, I mean, okay, hey, yeah, all right, we still might get in, but are we really that good? Who gives a damn? So I think they're starting to kind of re- rebuild as we speak right now. There's another guy on offense. Yeah. Who? And Shereen Williams and I kicked this around last night on PFTPM just as the news broke of Everson Griffin. Well, I know. Guy who got a big contract last Zeke year. Elliott, not yeah. this year, yeah. but last year. Right. Now, here's the thing. Who's taking that contract? Nobody. That's the thing. Right. I don't think anybody is, right? At the, the, with With – the way he's looked the last two years and then the years he is in his career, you know, as far as where he's at, I just have a hard time, right? At least I do, thinking that somebody's going to pony up, you know, a pretty good trade trade value to get him or whatever assets to trade to get him and then also pay him that type of money. I mean, I would think Le'Veon Bell and anything like that would scare the hell out of anybody from doing those type of things. By the way, Michael Gallup signed through 2021. One more right. reason not to let him go. Base salary of 750 this year, Ooh, baby. 920 next year. You don't trade him no. when you consider how good he has been. Yeah, Elliott is one that would be fascinating. If there was a team out there, if we could spin back the clock to 1989 and there was a team like the Vikings that was <laughs> just a running back away, from it's being a needed. Super Bowl contender. All, all they need needed, all they need is Herschel Walker. All they well, that's all they needed, and all they needed was to give up three first-round picks, three second-round picks, and a bunch of players, and it was just a disaster. I'm looking at the Elliott contract now. He's signed through 2026. Good Lord. It, it would be it would be a, a, a significant cap charge next year for them to move on. A lot easier for them to move on from Amari Cooper, frankly, than to move on from Ezekiel Elliott, the right. way that that deal was structured. So, uh, look, I, I, I don't know how motivated they're going to be, but, you know, that's the balance. Maybe you're not motivated until somebody makes you an offer for a guy that you weren't thinking about trading, but all of a sudden, hey, it looks like a pretty good deal, so maybe we will do it. What about the Lions? Right. Do we see them doing anything more? Is this really the start of an all-in play, or is it just kind of a fluke thing? I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't 
their their jobs are on the line. Their butts are on the line. They got a chance, you know, to to make a little run here. When you look at their schedule, you know, I know they got the Colts this week. Okay, yeah, I'm sure the Colts are favored by a little, but we've seen the Colts, you know, trip and stumble this year. But after that, when you go Colts, Vikings, football team, Carolina Panthers, then the Texans, and then the Bears again, you know. I mean, that's 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 favorable. I don't look at that schedule for the Lions and just go, damn, they're out of it. I go, whoa, they could end up winning, you know, three to the next five games, four to the next five games, and all of a sudden we're, we got a different view of them. Maybe. I guess that doesn't count as PFT bingo when he does. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it does, not, not yeah. to your extent. It's only when you do it. I, I, but, Mike, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think – I can't imagine maybe another DB if there was somebody out there that was you know worth it. Maybe they would get a top corner. They're always looking for cover corners out there, and then maybe still another difference maker up front. You know if that if that opportunity presented itself. Oh, you know the Belichick approach is grab a guy who's in the last year of his contract so that you get potential compensatory compen draft pick yeah. consideration if right. he leaves as a free agent after the year. So you give up you know, a three or a four to get a guy. And if you don't keep him, depending upon how old he is and a lot of other factors, including how many free agents you sign next year versus how many you lose, you could end up getting back some of the draft capital that you gave up to get him. That's one of the things Belichick is very, very big on doing. And Matt Patricia, the coach of the Lions, was with Belichick for years. So that's part of the analysis. Guys getting toward the end of a contract with no real expectation they're going to stick around in the city that they have been, that that is something that could happen. And remember, today and tomorrow are really the, the hot spots Big days. for trade activity if you want a guy to be available in week nine. If you wait until the deadline next week of Tuesday, the guy's not going to be available come Sunday, just like Everson Griffin. Right. Deal was done Tuesday. He's not available this week. His first game for the Detroit Lions will be week nine at the Minnesota Vikings. Whoa. He was going to play him anyway with the Cowboys. Yeah, right. But what, a, what an introduction to the Lions. Hello, Minnesota. I'm coming back to see you. And look, the guy's been a great leader. I still think he's got some gas in the tank, and clearly the Lions do as well. Yeah. But uh, interesting development yesterday. that The trade went down and that it happened with the Detroit Lions, not the Seahawks or another contender that is more of an immediate top of the stack. This is a team that's going to be in it, and this is a team that could use some help. The Cowboys clearly need help. As promised, here's more from Jerry Jones, owner and general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, when asked about whether and to what extent there's a leadership issue with his franchise. Does your team have a leadership void? We're in the offensive line. Where just, o just overall. Where, when seriously, these but, but seriously, seriously. Where, where, do you, where would you have a leadership void? Is it an experience void? Is it a talent void? Is it a leadership void? I'm not trying to be cute here. The answer is yeah. no. The answer yeah. is no. I, I'm asking a, There's not a, well, just shut up and let me answer. No. Jerry, when you go into the locker room, what I'm asking is, do you see the intangibles? You're not asking me that. I gave you the, I gave you the answer. When I go into the locker room, there's no leadership void in my eyes. Okay. Now, that's your answer. Let's move on. Now, Jerry did later apologize, and he said this. There's an old adage, don't piss an old man off with little money. He'll get you. I don't, I don't understand that. I don't know either. 
But the guy's got a two hundred fifty million dollar yacht. Yeah, I don't know if he's, he's talking about himself in that money. adage. Well, he's not a yeah. little money. I mean, he's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, which is even more reason not to piss the old man off right. because you don't want to be written out of the will. Yeah, that's so, exactly right. Sean and RJ from 105.3 The Fan They're have in jeopardized trouble. their inheritance by pissing off an old man with a lot of money, and uh, they've also jeopardized their ability to ever go for a ride on his $250 million boat. Look, I, there's clearly an issue. And setting aside the question of whether or not Jerry Jones should even be walking into the locker room anyway, given that he's 78 and there's a pandemic happening – I don't know who the leaders are right now. Who are the leaders? Where were the leaders? I don't want to go back and rehash the absence of a reaction to Andy Dalton getting blown up by John Bostic because I think we have identified the combination of a bunch of guys who weren't even supposed to be on the field wondering what the hell to do and everybody so freaked out by the fact that he was injured that it's not your normal go push and shove and retaliate type of a thing. But still, look around. Where are the leaders? Who are the leaders on this team, Chris, with Dak Prescott gone? And with Ezekiel Elliott caught in this vortex of self-doubt. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it's a, a very fair question right now. I do. I mean, again, the reaction, yes, you know, overblown, certainly. The way the game has the games have looked, you know, as far as them letting up all these points, the mistakes, you know, some blown uh, situations as far as managing them from Mike McCarthy. So when you have those issues, people start to question it. I mean, that, that's, that's really all there is to it. You know, and, 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 and again, I understand it. It's the world we live in because the results of the Cowboys aren't very good. So people start to do that. But, yeah, I mean, they've, they've lost a lot of their leaders. And Dak Prescott certainly being one of the big ones. But then, hey, the guys on the offensive line, I mean, that was always a big part of their football team. So Tyrone Smith, Zach Martin, I know he was, you know, been banged up. But Lyle Collins, that group of guys, Travis Fredericks, who decides to, you know, get rid of, get out of football, all those, there's been some turnover there as far as those type of guys that maybe would have been pissed off and set up a new attitude the last few weeks with the way they played or what happened to Andy Dalton and all those issues. So, no, I don't necessarily look at it as like a lack of leadership. I look at it as a, a team who's in turmoil they have issues, and some of their best leaders are just not on the field for them to kind of steer the ship in the right direction. And the coach isn't getting it done from a leadership standpoint, no. plain and simple. And Jerry Jones was also asked yesterday about his head coach, Mike McCarthy, because there's been so much speculation. Could he be one and done? Could he be fired during the year? Look, Jerry Jones will completely and totally and unconditionally support you until the moment he no longer does. So you can't rule out anything because all he has to do is roll out of bed the wrong way, and he feels differently about somebody like that. Here he is yesterday talking about his first-year head coach. Without a question, the reasons that Mike McCarthy is the coach is because he's been through it. And he's had uh, tough times, and he's had disappointing times. Uh, certainly, I, we couldn't have anticipated uh, being at this stage with our team this year. But if I were going to hire a head coach that were going to be at this stage this year and work through this for the betterment of what's in store for us for the rest of the year and for what's for us in the future, uh, I got my man. Look, I I think Mike McCarthy's the head coach of the Cowboys for one very simple reason. He repeatedly kicked their butts with a lesser team in Green Bay. And that's that's the selling point. And and if you're Jerry Jones, the guy who built the team that consistently lost to the Packers when Mike McCarthy was the coach, you've got a pretty good audience, a pretty willing audience that is going to say, yeah, you know, you're right. We were better than the Packers, and you brought – 
an inferior team in here and beat us. But uh, look, maybe it's the lack of an offseason program. Maybe it's all the struggles and issues of the pandemic. I don't know. I don't want to prejudge. Mike McCarthy does have a Super Bowl win on his resume. Yeah. And there aren't many individuals who can say that That's as right. head coaches. But still, something's not something's not right. And and I feel like I can't put my finger on it. It's hard. I feel like it's so much. You you need you need all ten fingers and then some to put on what the issues are with the Cowboys. And it just doesn't seem like they they've begun to figure out, Chris, how to come up with answers. No, they have well and it's hard because you can't see the results on the field. So that's it's gonna continue to make it look like there's no answers because there's nothing to look at on the football field to go, Oh, hey, yeah, you know, the attitude it did seem, you know, the media, the attitude did seem better in the locker room or on the practice field that we got to see this week. You know, you'd be able to justify those things with winning a football game. That's not going to happen. I mean, it's not. I mean, they're they're in trouble here. Who knows losing how many football games as we go. Mike McCarthy has been through it all. He dealt with a lot of controversy, had to deal with, you know, uh, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers stuff in Green Bay. He really had to deal with it all. All the Aaron Rodgers drama towards the end, all of those things, yes, I mean, it, it, so he is a battle-tested football coach. But, you know, lack of detail, lack of, you know, head coaching management of the football games in certain situations were issues, you know, turnovers. Of course, the way the defenses looked, which doesn't necessarily should be blamed on Mike McCarthy. You know, that's the other issue, too, that we always got to remember when you talk about the Dallas Cowboys yeah, the Jones family gets involved in some of the coaching decisions, some of the coaching staff, all those things. So, yeah, there's the Mike Nolan defensive disconnect with the the players and do they fit the scheme, and that's not necessarily Mike McCarthy's fault in a lot of ways. So there's issues throughout the organization right now, let alone they're a beat-up football team. And I, I think Jerry will be smart enough to stay the course here and not panic and realize that, wow, we've had a lot of bad luck this year. We've had some things go against us. No offseason as well, like you mentioned. And I'm going to stay the course with the guy that I believe is the right guy. And I would be shocked if he fired him or, or, or abandoned ship after one year. Let's have some fun. Would yeah. you like to have some fun? I yeah. want to have some fun. Go ahead and put the bingo thing up there because we're going through the rest of the schedule for the Cowboys. And if it's acceptable to do it in April or May when the schedule comes out and there are months to go before you even begin the season. Yeah. I think it's perfectly acceptable right. to do it in late October when there are games left. Let's go game by game. You tell me gut reaction, win or loss for the Cowboys rest of the way. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's At Eagles, Sunday Night Football, NBC, win or a loss? Loss. I'm picking Eagles all day long. Steelers the following week puh, at home. Puh, puh, puh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Loss. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bye week. Win or loss in bye well, week. Hey, only they could probably find a way to lose in the bye week, knowing that. <laughs> All right. At the Vikings coming out of the bye the weekend before the Thanksgiving game. I mean, that's a coin flip type game, and I would go I I think there's more. You know, can are the Cowboys able to stop Dalvin Cook in that running game and all that? I I, I think not. So I'm going with a loss okay. as well. All right, at home, Thanksgiving afternoon, Ron Rivera and the Washington football team. Keep in mind, Ron Rivera took the Panthers in there on a Thanksgiving a few years ago and kicked the crap out of the Cowboys. Yes, Is that a did. win or a loss? Uh, man, I, I'll say the Cowboys somehow find some Thanksgiving magic and figure out a, win to, a, de, a way to win one, that game right there. One week later, Thursday Night Football at the Ravens. Well, come on. I mean, that's as laughable okay. as the Steelers game. 
at the Bengals the next week. Ooh, but mm, that's another coin flip. I mean, that is a true coin flip football game where the way it looks, I would go with the Bengals right now. I would with the way Joe Burrow and that offense are moving. See ya. Sorry, Dallas. You're going to lose. Last two games, Eagles at home, followed by at the Giants. Well, you skipped the 49ers, too. Oh, I skipped the 49ers. That. All right, oh, there's another loss. Forget lose. it. Yeah. They're going to lose Forget the Eagles that again. And then the Giants will come down to, like, you know, I don't know what team You know what team messes it up. Will Evan Ingram drop a pass to ice the game? Will Daniel Jones trip and fall? I don't know. Will the Cowboys do something stupid that they do every game? Who knows? So, yeah, there as, we saw as it. Pete. What do we yeah, do? As Pete points out, the Giants will lose that game and squander the number one overall pick in the process. Look, that's Win four that and game. twelve. That, I see four and twelve. Yeah, I do too. I mean, at, at the very four and twelve, and. We were being nice and giving them a win to Washington, who just beat the crap out of them. And who else? The Giants, we gave them that. You're right. I mean, and that's nice. I mean, they could have lost to the Giants the first time around. So, I mean, again, they might not win again. I wouldn't be shocked. I really wouldn't be. Here's how bad they are right now. They're playing an Eagles team that is 2-4-1, and one, and they're seven-and-a-half-point underdogs <laughs> yeah, for Sunday right. Night Football right. on, on NBC. Uh, all right, let's let's change gears, uh, and I'm sure that plenty of Cowboys fans out there are happy that we're changing gears now that we've completely ruined their day. Let's talk about another team from the Eastern Division of the other conference that is almost as bad right now as the Cowboys, but not quite. Let's hear Matthew Slater, special teams captain, longtime fixture of the Patriots franchise, Monday Night Patriots show on NBC Sport Boston, talking about uh, issues with the Patriots as of right now? You know, I, I think that there were times uh, last night where we let the attitude and effort part slip away from us. Um, you know, that's never acceptable. So I think we're going to have to make sure we are on that each and every play, never taking anything for granted. I mean, we're so blessed to be able to play this game and we owe it to the game to go out and, and pay it as pay the respect that it's due and and approach this thing the right way. Attitude and effort. Was attitude and effort ever a problem for the Patriots during the last 20 years? Was attitude and effort ever an issue during the time that you were locked in the closet up there working for the team? No, never, never. I mean, you're right. You don't ever hear those type of words, you know, from the New England Patriots. Again, that's why I'll go into, out of all the teams with COVID and everything like that, I'll make more excuses for New England because their greatest asset is their damn head coach, who's the genius of all geniuses. And the fact that he hasn't been able to keep this team, you know, under his thumb or whatever else all the time to where he can always nitpick and adjust and do everything like that, it's really hurt them. And it hurt them on Sunday, of course, where they were overwhelmed by a more intense physical San Francisco, more talented San Francisco 49ers football team. At what point does he just accept the fact that this isn't the year? that it's not going to work. He's not going to be able to coach the way he wants to. He can't have the meetings the way that he does. All of the things that worked for him in the past, he's just not able to do them this year. You know, we didn't see a whole lot of fire from him in the aftermath of the loss to the 49ers. No. There was no on to Cincinnati moment. There was no defiance. There was none of that stuff that would that would be indicative of that pushback 
on those rare occasions in the past when we see the Patriots on the ropes. I just wonder if he's just getting worn out by all of this stuff. Well, you know, he's got he's got a lot of new parts, got a young, you know, a new quarterback, thing like that, where I think, you know, first off, he might not want to be that way with this football team, realizing he might not have the right leadership there or whatever that would react the right way. Maybe staying a little bit more positive with this football team right now just to build some confidence within them. You know, uh, that that would be the – but they'll never quit, Mike. They'll never. He, he will never. The coaching staff up there at no point. You know, they'll continue even with, yeah, these curveballs they're being thrown by, like you're talking about with the Zoom meetings and all that. The one thing you can count on is they will continue to dissect their approach and to figure out what is the most efficient way to get it done right now. Hey, they're back in the building We've talked about I think the Bills are the right team for them to kind of get back on track. They match up well. I'm not saying they're going to win. But, yeah, last week was the first time in a really long time where you saw the will of the New England Patriots ripped out of their chest, right? I mean, the game went like this. It was a five and out. It was a good drive for a field goal. It was an interception on the first play of the next drive, and then a three and out, and the game was 23-3. to three. I mean, New England didn't have much of a chance, and and Shanahan and that San Francisco running game just abused them to the point where I think they realized, like, wait, I, I don't care what day it is. I don't think we can match up with this football team, and I think they realized that in about the second quarter where they were like, I don't think we have a chance today, and you just don't see that from New England very often or ever, really. At Bills, at Jets, and then the Ravens on Sunday Night Football, the Patriots can get to 4-4, four and four. and you know, it was a game against the Ravens last year that kind of burst the bubble on a Patriots team that looked right. as good as any Patriots team ever has. Maybe it's a Ravens game this year that is the moment where we all say, holy crap, they've figured it out. And look no farther than the 49ers for proof that it is possible to That's figure right. things out. Yeah. Blown off the field by the Dolphins. Think about that. 43-17 loss to Miami and then turn around two weeks later and beat the Patriots 33 to six and dominate the Rams before worst that. home loss. Yeah. Worst home loss since 1998 before Bill Belichick was even with the team. So th there's hope for, for Patriots fans, Cowboys fans. No Patriots fans. Yes. Yeah. That's the difference. Well, they're Patriots still, still hoping to it. That's right. The Patriots have some still elite things about their team where you go, okay, well, I mean, they still have an elite head coach. We know that they're secondary and that is still elite. And then if their O-line can just be together here and healthy, like they have, it's it's borderline elite as well with their run game. So if they can kind of just get those two things going, it gives them a fighting chance. That That's at least there is a little light at the end of the tunnel for New England. Yeah, I'm not expecting Super Bowl or anything like that, but I'm still not giving up on them like we've talked about as far as being a playoff football team. Not quite yet. Quick break, and we'll stay in the AFC East because the trade deadline is looming, as previously mentioned, and there are several high-profile defensive players in the AFC East who may be available. We'll talk about that when PF5 continues right after this. Newton in the pocket, looks down the middle, nobody open. Now he throws it oh on the go, God. pass is picked off by Warner. On the far side of the field, tackled at the 40-yard line by Myers. Absolutely putrid. I don't know where he's throwing it. Get Stedham ready. Get him throwing. You got to do something, Bill. Launches a deep ball down the middle for Myers, and it's going to be picked off. Running That's under it. it is Emmanuel Mosley back enough. to the Kim, you throw a pick, you're going to cover it, or you're going to stand in the middle of the field and watch it? You and I have caught a lot of games. I don't remember this bad a half of football.
Oh, a little bit of the troubles of the New England Patriots on Sunday. And we talked earlier about the lack of attitude and effort and how bad it has gotten. And there are some rumors out there that some high-profile defensive players in the AFC East could be traded. And one that has bubbled up, and Albert Breer of SI.com was talking about this somewhere recently. And I, I, I was kind of surprised by it, but it's worth mentioning. Stephon Gilmore? Mm-hmm. Could the Patriots really move Stephon Gilmore, the defensive player of the year? Now, they gave him some more money before the season started. He's under contract through 2021. That's a stunner to me that it would even be a point of conversation, Chris. I, I agreed. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to buy it yet. Now, you know, I, I know it's Albert Breer. He's pretty connected with the New England Patriots, things like that up there in Boston to where maybe he knows something we don't. But I'm not going to buy it until I hear a little bit more of a confirmation. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Avril Breer or anything like that, but just, yeah, I mean, they're predicated on their secondary. You know, what he does is so much a part of their success because of who he can match up with, and it allows them to do all these different things off of it. You know, that I mean, last week on big third downs, it was Stephon Gilmore versus George Kittle. I mean, that's, that's what they did. So I would have a hard time thinking that Bill Belichick would part with that unless – Maybe like you said in the first segment, Mike, unless New England's starting to go, there's no way we can win the Super Bowl this year. You know, we're out of it. Maybe we get to the playoffs, but who cares? We don't play for playoffs. We play for Super Bowl. Let's worry about next year. J.C. Jackson, we're going to have to pay him at some point, maybe. But I, I just I would have a hard time thinking that right now at this point of the year. And we know the Bill Belichick approach. Get rid of a guy one year too early instead of one year too late. That's right. Maybe they're seeing something that the rest of us don't that would constitute slippage. Or just the fact that well, Gilmore came back to the trough for more money, that doesn't usually sit well with the folks in New England. Maybe that has fueled some sort of a sense that now's the time to sell the asset. And ultimately, that's I, I hate that because it removes the humanity from the sport. I know. But that's the reality. It These is. teams are constantly churning assets who are human beings, who they have to make a decision. Does this guy still have a place on this team? Does he not? Is this a moment where we can get more for him than we would get next year yeah, or right. even in the offseason? Right. Maybe there's a content. Maybe they can dump him onto the Lions for their first round pick next year, Chris. I mean, listen, they'd probably be able to get a King's ransom for him still. He is still a top tier corner in football. There is slippage, though, to your point. I mean, it's not as dominant as it's been the previous two or three years. It's not. Definitely not. He's still one of the best pure cover corners out there. But last few years, you can literally go, oh, Gilmore's on him. Shut down. Forget it. You know, maybe that guy gets two or three catches. Okay, so what? This year, we've seen some moments of, you know, there was a moment or two last week with Kittle beating him. You know, we saw DK Metcalf have his way a little bit here and there with him. So, yeah, there's moments there to where, to your point, and you've always said this, where maybe Bill does see like, hey, there's slippage, but his value still really, really at a peak, you know, as far as that's concerned. Uh, but I just still at this point, I know it's two and four. I, I, I just don't think New England would throw in the towel quite yet. I guess that's where I just don't don't buy it yet. It's it's like knowing when to dump a stock yeah. and you have inside information and Bill Belichick has more information than anyone else about the stock that is Stephon Gilmore. And this may be the time to dump it Maybe. and get maximum value. It's that simple. And again, I hate that because it removes the humanity from the sport, but 
the humanity necessarily is removed. You have to have a ruthlessness to you when you just move these pieces around on a chessboard. What are we going to do? What move are we going to make? When are we going to part ways with a guy that can maybe set us up to get better talent next year and beyond if we can find someone who will give us a lot more now for Stephon Gilmore than maybe they would in the offseason? Xavier Howard signed a long-term contract in 2019 that made him technically the highest-paid corner in football, new money average, yada, yada. It wasn't as great of a deal as it was sold to be, but still, it showed a long-term commitment. The Dolphins want him. They're all in, unless they aren't. Now, this is an interesting dynamic that emerged yesterday. It is very interesting. Because you've you've got multiple newspapers in South Florida that caught wind of the fact that teams were calling the Dolphins about Xavier Howard. Right. They're making the phone calls. And that in and of itself is newsworthy. But you have to couch it the right way. Yes. You're not shopping him. We've been down this road before with other players. You're not shopping him. You're not picking up the phone saying, hey, do you want this guy? Do you want this guy? Do you want this guy? You're just sitting back and people are making you offers. And teams are very prickly about that distinction because they don't want to create the impression they are motivated to sell. That's right. This is basic negotiation. There's a big difference and there. I mean, as a player, and your best in leverage room. is I'm keeping the guy. Right. That's your best leverage. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? What are you talking about? You want to trade this guy? I'm keeping him. Oh, first round pick. Uh, I'm keeping him. Well, first round pick and a second round pick. Uh, uh, I'm keeping him. You know, I mean, but but yeah. that's that's how you sell and drive up the price. So, what ultimately happened was Omar Kelly of the South Florida Sun Sentinel said that the Dolphins are exploring trade offers for Zamian Howard. Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post, uh, Post chimed in and said, that's true. And then came a statement from the team uh, throwing shade at, at the, the Sun Sentinel, uh, uh, yeah. journalism and whatnot. What the truth was, they are getting calls. They're getting calls. That's what Barry Jackson, the Miami Herald, ultimately said. They're getting calls. The Herald knew about it. The Herald didn't run with it. I don't know why they didn't run with it. Well, I think maybe I do know why. The Dolphins talked them out of it, and they have to cover the Dolphins. So sometimes you play ball with the pro football team that you cover That's right. as a publication. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they're getting calls. Okay, they're getting calls. Well, that doesn't mean they're going to trade him. That doesn't mean they want to trade him, but it means they're getting calls. And the question is, do they get an offer they can't refuse? Period. Yeah, yeah. well, I think, you know, first off, I, I respect them. The Dolphins, I feel like, had to come out pretty strong here just to, to be a little defiant because there is a big difference. You don't want to start that in your locker room. You know, again, yeah, it's one thing, like you said, for teams to call and go, hey, you got a lot of good corners. Is Xavier Howard, by any chance, maybe available? There's a difference in that than team, them calling around the league going, you know, hey, we got Xavier Howard available. We don't want him. We, we noticed you might be a little light in the corner. There's a, you know, the cornerback department. That, that, there's a, a huge difference there. And you don't want to start issues with the football player because the football player, you know, that second, for instance, will get personal. Oh, damn, you're trying to shop me and get me out of town. You don't really want me as compared to, oh, people are calling because they think I'm kind of good and maybe we got good corners here and you'll get rid of me. There's a big difference in that. Now, and I think that's what would happen. I would be shocked. First off, they got it going finally in Miami. And one of the reasons they got it going is because of this guy. You know, we just talked about Belichick in the secondary. Well, Brian Flores came from New England. This secondary is very important. And this was, was this his first contract as a head coach, right? That's where I couldn't, I was like, wait, Brian Flores got there. And the first thing they did was sign Xavier Howard. I would be shocked if they were abandoning ship a year later. Now, I think teams probably are wondering just a little bit because, hey, they paid Byron Jones and 
I'm going to mess up this name, but their first round pick, Noah Igbanye, Igbanye, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I got to practice it. He's really damn good too. So I think probably teams look at it and go, damn, they have two good corners. Maybe they're willing to get rid of one. Uh, but I, I don't think that's the case right now with what they've built. I mean, they're pretty damn good in pass defense. But here's the reality. Yeah. They're not slamming the phone down. No, they're uh, not. Of course. Right. Everybody's available, Mike, in football. Right. I mean, fact, there's the right only price. a handful of guys. There's right. only a handful of guys who are untouchable. That's the point that I was making about Michael Thomas earlier this week. Yeah. The, would the Saints entertain offers? Well, it depends on what someone's it better offering. Better be a and was damn there an ransom. effort to, to try to get it? Try to get another team to maybe make an offer? Yeah, there was. That doesn't mean that that uh, they would do it, but. It also doesn't mean you slam the phone down. I think you slam the phone down for Patrick Mahomes. You slam it down for Russell Wilson. Yeah. You slam it down. Do you slam it down for Kyler Murray? I think you slam it down right for now, Kyler Murray. Right now, you do. You do slam it down right now. I think right you now. do. Yes. Agreed. You, you slam it down for Lamar Jackson. Right. Don't you? Yes. Right? Agreed. That's it from a quarterback standpoint. Am I missing someone? I'd be, I'd be quarterback. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, yeah, I don't know. You know, of course, Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen pop into my mind a little right now to where I'd be very scared to abandon ship on either one of them. I mean, I would be scared to, cause I'd be scared like, Oh, we traded him, but damn there he is being a superstar and winning a super bowl and throwing it in our face. So, but I think your point's real as quarterbacks. I think those are the, def the, the, the definite ones. Yes. Yeah. Now and defensive players like Aaron Donald would be it. Maybe, Maybe one of the or both of the Boses. I don't know. Nick's got yeah. the ACL he's coming off of. Yeah, Nick's probably in. Yeah, Nick and Joe there, probably there, are right. There aren't many guys no. where you hit the – when the, you see the phone ring, you hit the button that says decline, and there's a more colloquial name for the button uh, that we can't use. <laughs> did, did, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I assume that that's widely used. The Never mind. Let's just move on. I don't know what the uh, hell you're talking about. You got me confused here. <laughs> we'll talk about it during break. Uh, no, we'll uh, revisit the next segment. I'm going to bring it and, up. And again. hopefully, our, hopefully, our mics will be down when we talk about it. Last one, Quinnen Williams. There's talk that the third overall pick in the 2019 draft is available. He was on Sirius XM SEC Radio last night. Basically, hey, what? I, all I do is show up and work. What can I do? I, I mean, I think anybody currently playing for the Jets would be thrilled to be traded to another team at this point. <laughs> frankly, right? Well, I mean, put yourself in their shoes. Wouldn't you? Would that? That would you're like being rescued. I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, there is something, I mean, if you're a player in the jets right now, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. That would be frustrating. You'd be going, damn, it doesn't even look like we can be really competitive next year. So when the hell does that happen? Quentin Williams is starting to pop for their football team. He is. I mean, the, the, I, I think the reason Mike really, he's probably being thrown out there in trade talk is. He's the only trade asset they have on the football team, and they're such a bad team. They're looking for anything just to rebuild, restart, assets, whatever it is, but he's probably the biggest chip they have as far as in the game that way, and they're probably just dangling it out there going, man, maybe somebody will be stupid and give us something great to where we can kind of reorganize our team here going into the future. And he was drafted by the last GM, not the current. Yeah, that's GM, right, Mike too, McCagnin. Mike. So it's easier sure. to justify making that move. All right, let's take a break. When we return, airing of grievances. And I've got one that is tied to a sport other than football, but is extremely relevant to the National Football League. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after. All right, baseball season is over. 
160 games they played for the most part. Yeah. They had their postseason. They were in Arlington for the World Series. Dodgers win in six games. I watched none of it. Sorry. I'm just, I'm still recovering from the 1992 NLCS when the Braves beat the Pirates somehow in game seven. 28 years later, here we are. But it was a good series. What happened last I night? What happened last so, night? Yep. Go ahead. Were you, what, the, the Justin Turner removal from the game in the eighth inning because they found out he was COVID-19 positive and they yanked him from the game in that moment, which is just kind of bizarre. And it could happen now in the NFL because as of week six, the NFL started doing game day testing. I'm told they take the sample before the morning meal. So as these offsite PCR tests are done more quickly, and the question is how close are you to the, the nearest lab? You could, in theory, have the result come back during the game. Well, what did baseball do? They removed him from the game. There's only one problem. When the Dodgers won, there he is out there celebrating without a mask on. Yeah. He just found out he's COVID-19 positive. Baseball said, no, no, you can't go back on the field. He basically said, screw you, I'm going back on the field. And then he tweeted, this is, this is poetry. This is, this is 2020 in a nutshell. Thanks to everyone reaching out. I feel great. No symptoms at all. Just experienced every emotion you can possibly imagine. Can't believe I couldn't be out there to celebrate with my guys. Are you freaking kidding me, Justin Turner? We saw you. I mean, is he going to try the old Eddie Murphy, it wasn't me routine? We saw you and your distinctive red beard. You were celebrating with your team with no mask. And he's COVID-19 positive. He turned the celebration into a super spreader event, Chris. So, you know, the only reason we're talking about this, what we're talking about for two reasons. Number one, I can't believe it happened. Number I can't two, either. The, number two, the NFL now can't say if there's a guy running around with the trophy in February in Tampa who somehow slipped through the cracks as COVID-19 positive. They can't say, well, we didn't see that coming. No, they definitely can't. You know, I mean, first off, I mean, I, I, I'm sick of this in our culture right now. Like uh, acting like I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm sick of being disrespected that way to where it's like, yeah, don't believe what you saw on TV. I'm going to tweet something out. And now that's the truth. You didn't really see the truth. Like what? Stop playing me like a dummy, whether it's Tom Brady and the, what down it is or this or other things that go on. You're right. It's Bruce the new, Arians. It's Tom the new, Brady had nothing to do. It's Tom Brady had nothing to do with this. It's the new fad sure, of okay. the world. Like, yeah, you know, I'm powerful and, you know, a big deal. And, and we're just you got to take it for what I say. Screw anything you saw in the evidence there. I'm the like, what? Get out of here. Like, don't insult my intelligence. That's stupid. It makes me not want to root for you ever again with that kind of crap. All right. And then. And like, I don't know, Mike, how did that happen with them being in a bubble? And how do they let that go down? Did the rest of the team know that they were sitting there and he was COVID-19 positive and celebrating with them? I mean, it just, to me, is astounding. I fell asleep in the eighth inning, so I didn't see all of it go down afterwards because I would have loved to have seen the reactions of guys around him and were they, like, a little reluctant to hug him and stuff. I would have loved to have seen that, but I don't know. I can't speak to it right now. I I saw some clips of him hugging guys in the oh. dugout. He had a mask on. And and then I, th th there's a photo of him. Without you know, the mask. Uh, and video of him without the mask and kissing his wife, girlfriend, whoever it is. I don't follow baseball enough to know, but uh, I don't. I assume she's aware of the fact that he's COVID-19 positive or maybe accepts the fact that she is too. But that's the thing. How does it infiltrate this bubble? And how many other guys are currently in the incubation period? Because they were around him. 
He's positive. He was shedding virus all day. And and see, this, this is another sad commentary on where we are right now. People are going to be mad that we're talking about this, Chris. Pe- people are going to think that we're we're showing that we are afraid of the virus, that that we shouldn't be talking about it. The talk, talking about it is the equivalent of hiding under your bed. Yeah, get out of here. I'm not afraid of the virus. I could care less. I hope I get it. What I am afraid of is getting the virus and then endangering somebody else, okay? So there. I'm sick of that crap from everybody. I'm sick of hearing like, oh, this will probably all go away after the election. Oh, oh. No, it won't. It's going on all over the world. It's, it has nothing to do with just our country or anything. Like, everybody get over it. These stupid talking points. By the way, Dave Roberts to the left of yeah. uh, the player. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, he's a cancer survivor. Jeez. And there he is with, with, with no mask on whatsoever. I'll tell you how little I pay attention to baseball. I've already forgotten the guy's name. Is it Justin Hunter? Is that Turner, it? Turner. Turner. See, yeah, I, I, that's, I don't know. Yeah. I never even heard of the guy until last night. He's a I'm good sorry. player. I don't watch baseball. Yeah. I'm all in with football. I no longer care about baseball. And you can be mad at me about that. This is a football show. The only reason we're talking about it, Justin Turner. Is it Turner? Turner. Justin Turner did something selfish and stupid, and baseball let him. And the lesson to the NFL is you better be damn sure as you get towards your postseason games and specifically the games where there will be major celebrations like the AFC Championship, the NFC Championship, the Super Bowl. You better be sure that, that no one's getting through the cracks who shouldn't be getting through the cracks. And also, we may be getting to a point where there could be, there could be a guy who is yanked from a game, a night game, because the results from the morning PCR test have come back. And I'm asking the NFL, what would you do in that situation? Do yeah. you just let it all play out, or do you reach in and say, you, out? That'd be interesting. You know, I, I, I would think they'd have to yank him out. But, I mean, again, we saw Stephon Gilmore have it and whispering into Patrick Mahomes' ears, and he didn't get it. So, uh, But, yeah, that's, that's very risky to, to take that chance to leave him out there. I know that. Full hour of PFD Live still to come. We'll be back with plenty more right after this.